Welcome to Paleo Cinema Podcast 263. My name's Terry Frost, and this time around I'm doing the Cinema In Memoriam for 2019. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of people who died who have been very famous, very influential in the movie industry in this really weird year we're experiencing. So we'll get the contact details out of the way, and then we can start talking about dead people. Paleo Cinema Podcast is a podcast of old movie appreciation. There's only a couple of rules here. The first one is the movie has to be at least 20 years old, and it's a rule I break occasionally. And the second rule is I have to find some interesting things to say about it. Uh, feedback's very important to the podcast, so you can offer it a couple of ways. You can offer some at feedbackpaleo at gmail.com. You can go to the Paleo Cinema Cafe on Facebook, and also... Or you can send me an owl if you went to Hogwarts. You can even support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash paleocinema and donating as little as $1 US per month. Just be aware with the podcast, I may swear occasionally, so you might not want to let your kids hear it if you don't want them to pick up filthy words with Australian pronunciation. Okay, so how's everybody been? We've all survived the holiday season except for the New Year part so far. And congratulations to us. Um, we did a very quiet one here. Went to the Outlaws place, had some food, um, and just kind of did it low-key. I did the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema podcast, Chris Gringle, and scored some really wonderful stuff out of that and gave, hopefully, some really wonderful stuff as well. So, yeah, a pretty quiet time. It's got warm here, of course, which is lovely. Uh, the only unlovely side of it, of course, is that because of the bushfires which have raged through New South Wales and Queensland and Victoria, we're getting some bushfire smoke around and that's really messing some people up. It's uh, having a lot of health issues and it's one of those great big indicators that global heating is becoming a real problem here, even though, unfortunately, our government is very much in denial about that. So don't blame me, I didn't vote for them. Anyway, um, I took a month off the podcasts, uh, kept the YouTube channel going, but the podcast I took a little break from. Kind of had a little bit of um, writer's block in a way for the podcast, but I'm back on track now, hopefully. And I'll be putting them out on a regular basis. I'm sorry if people were a little upset with the break, but it's the first one I've really had in about you know, 12, 13 years. So cut me a little slack. Uh, this time around I'm going to be doing the Cinema In Memoriam Now I do a Cinema In Memoriam on the YouTube channel Just showing the names and the pictures and the achievements of people With music underneath it, no narration But I thought why not do it for the podcast as well We're all classic movie fans And maybe this is the opportunity and the venue To actually talk about a few different people I'll probably do about 20 or 30 maybe and while I'm doing that, just kind of talk about their careers and the parts of their careers of which I am fond. So it's, it's kind of similar to what I'm going to be doing next week on the YouTube channel, but it's going to be in a lot more detail, which is probably what a podcast does better. The attention span of YouTube viewers is about 15 minutes on average. If you get a video within about a 15-minute time frame, you're doing okay with it, but you get beyond that and you start having um, viewers drop off. 
and advertisers or potential advertisers even on the platform don't like that. Last couple of videos I did are getting really nice responses. I did a two-part A to Z of movies that you can watch during the holidays that aren't holiday movies. So I went out into the library, the video library at the back of the house, and just went through each letter of the alphabet and thought, which one do I want to do? I did two movies per letter. So all up, everyone got 52 movies. Which ones do I want to do for this particular letter of the alphabet that are going to be really cool and that vary up the genres a bit and kind of make it a little bit interesting? And it took a lot of work because on average, when I did the each of the YouTube videos, which ran around that 15 to 18 minute time frame, there are about 400 different images and sound files music underneath them because i tried to tune the music to each one of the movies i was talking about um so basically each one had about 400 bits of information that i had to collate together into a cohesive narrative whether it was cohesive or not's another matter it takes a lot of brain work but it's challenging in the right kind of way we all like to be challenged but we don't like to be challenged to the point that we punch walls and keyboards and I think I've just about got the settings right when I'm doing the YouTube. As I said, the next one's going to be the big immemorium one, which is, again, going to be a lot of work. But I've taken a look at the... I did three this year for the first three quarters of the year, and the fourth one's going to be an ensemble of the whole year, uh, Cinema Immemorium. And I've kind of learned from what I did three, six, and nine months ago, or 12 months ago almost, um, because I want to kind of make it a little bit smoother. I kind of thought, well, each person's not quite getting quite as enough number of seconds there, and so I'm tweaking all of that stuff. Um, so what have I been watching? I've been doing a little bit of binging. I binged the second season of the Lost in Space TV series on Netflix, and it's good. It's pure um, action-adventure, science-fiction action-adventure. It's space opera. And it kind of works. The um, characters are interesting enough and the ensemble being a family in space, of course, because we all know Lost in Space, kind of works. Um, Parker Posey's really good playing Dr. Smith with the gender swap there. Her Dr. Smith is as you know, a lot less comical than the Jonathan Harris one. And it's very much um, a more dangerous Dr. Smith and an edgier Dr. Smith that we get. And that kind of works. I think that it's having a male villain, you get into that problem of are they going to be sexually menacing as well as physically and, and psychologically menacing? And that kind of muddies the waters there. They're not making this particular Lost in Space an adults-only version, but they're making it adult enough. And having the female Dr. Smith, I think, works well for that. I also watched season one of The Witcher with Henry Cavill in it. Um, really nice series, uh, kind of medieval ma uh, magic-based fantasy series. The only problem I've got with it is that the timelines are a bit skewed because two of the main characters don't age as other people do. It's a little bit hard to kind of keep the timeline straight. But I think that's the sort of thing that I'll pick up in the second season, which has already been approved for. And it works. It, it kind of is nice. Got some really nice monsters in it, really nice evil characters. The magical world and the world building are consistent. It's based on um, fantasy stories. So that's always a plus. And it's the kind of thing where you can binge the, I think it's 10 episodes there. 
quite comfortably and they, they flow very nicely. There is sex and nudity and swearing in it, which is pretty good. I um, always like a bit of that. Uh, I think they're a little bit even-handed with the male and the female gays and the gay gays and the straight gays and the lesbian gays. Um, that didn't sound right. But they're, they're kind of balancing those things quite nicely there and uh, very strong characters, which is always good too. The acting and um, Henry Cavill's a little bit low-key for it, but I think he'll pick up in season two with that. Uh, the other actors are all good. They tried to get people who weren't on Game of Thrones, which was probably a good idea. And I think that it does work. If you haven't seen it, you might want to check out The Witcher. Now, given that I have been binging a fair bit, my movie watching has been a little bit low-key. Uh, only three things I really want to mention. I watched the 1998 remake of Day of the Jackal, The Jackal with Richard Gere and Bruce Willis in it. It's always fun to see a movie where Jack Black gets his arm blown off by a really large gun. And that's the case in this one. I think it kind of works as an action film. It doesn't particularly work as a character piece. Bruce Willis gets to put on lots of disguises and stuff, so it's a little bit of fun there. In the same way that Val Kilmer's movie of The Saint was fun, having Val Kilmer dress in different things. So that kind of worked. Then I went for two Christmas movies because, oddly enough, it's that time of year. First one is a zombie comedy musical from a couple of years ago called Anna and the Apocalypse. It's set in Scotland, and it kind of works. And Anna's a um, high school student at the last year of high school, and she's got a father who's working-class guy. She's got a very nasty school principal. She's got a bunch of friends. And on the night of the kind of Christmas ball at school, zombies started attacking. It's really good. It works really well. Uh, I think the songs are apt for but forgettable uh, but nonetheless i think there's a couple of really nice set pieces in there and it's got that really good comedy of really good balance sorry of gore and nastiness and dread and humor so it, it gets all of that really well balanced and that's a little bit of a hard thing to do so you might want to check out Anna in the Apocalypse next season leave it for that time of year because it's that time of movie then, of course, I watched Die Hard because it's that time of year and you've got to watch Die Hard. And, yeah, it's still fun, still works for me. It's comfort viewing. And uh, it also pisses off people who don't think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, uh, even though it's been adopted in the canon of Christmas films by a lot of people. It's secular, which is always nice for me. And it's very, very accessible. So, yeah, watch Die Hard. Uh, I know Rebecca McLaren, with whom I do the radio, is an enormous Die Hard fan. She's got to be the biggest Die Hard fan girl I know. Um, we're actually doing Die Hard 3 first um, talk back when I do the ABC radio gig again next year because they have asked me back because they're lovely people. And I'm cheap. Actually, it doesn't cost me anything. doesn't cost them anything. And it's... um. Yeah, it'll be good to do that. Then we're going to look at some John Wick movies. So we might look at the three John Wick movies, one after the other, because we're fans of that as well. And that's the kind of stuff the audience in the Northern Territory wants. So, yeah, um, that's going to be a nice little bit of time. I always don't know until probably the last week or two before I go away for the end of the year whether they're going to ask me back, but they've asked me back. So I'm quite happy about that, really. 
And, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year because a couple of new things uh, in the realm of Marvel movies is coming out, which is going to be interesting to see what they do with the next iteration or the next um, part of that story. And we'll look at uh, Eternals when it comes out and the Black Widow movie and whatever else Marvel throws our way. Um, Let's see. People throwing a lot of shade on the new Star Wars movie, which I'm kind of opting out of. I'm not going to be talking about that, but I'm just sitting in the back row with my popcorn, just watching what people do and finding the phenomenon of a, a really large franchise potentially jumping the shark and just seeing where the lessons are for other franchises. That may well be the way I'm going to take it. I'm going to take a very academic viewpoint of it and put my emotions aside. Uh, A lot of people enjoyed the new Star Wars movie. A lot of people enjoyed The Mandalorian. But um, I watched all of The Mandalorian, by the way, and I'm not going to tell you what I thought of it because you can pretty much guess. I think that, um, to be generous, it's a missed opportunity. I think that they really should have tried something new instead of going well star wars copied all of these movie serials and other things and borrowed from um kurosawa and stuff so we're going to make a star wars tv series that does the same i think that's a missed opportunity i think that expanding the universe without being reliant on the easy template of the past would have been a nice thing to do i was actually hoping that the mandalorian was going to show us something new and do something new and because disney played it safe it really didn't work. If you want to get a good analysis of why it didn't work from somebody who likes Star Wars, you can go to um, just type in The Mandalorian, Travis Johnson. Travis has done a really nice analysis of why it doesn't work and why it is a missed opportunity for both Disney and for um, Lucasfilms. I think it's uh, one of those things where you don't you really got the opportunity with a streaming service not to play things safe. And unfortunately, they have done so in this one. So I'm going to take a break. Now I'm going to play a little bit of music. And then when I get back, I'm going to do the January to December in memoriam for movie-related people. A lot of them you'll know. And just kind of honour the memory of a bunch of people who enriched our lives and kept us off the streets for all these years. J'entends des chansons, Brad, 
Yeah, I've been looking at remixes lately, and this remix is one that works for me. I know it's not to a lot of people's taste, but that is Diana Swain's remix of the Eartha Kit version of C.C. Bon. And for me, it works. Uh, Diana Swain's a kind of online musical person, and she lets you use her music in your YouTube videos. So I've been using some of her um, remixes, which are enough different than the original source material that it doesn't trigger um, copyright infringement notices, as long as you um, mention that you're using her music in the notes on the YouTube channel. So I've been doing a little bit of that, and it works for me. Uh, yeah, I kind of like her stuff. That's her album of, uh, from her album of French remixes, which is kind of good. She does a nice version, too, of Serge Gainsbourg's Baudelaire, which I kind of like as well. But uh, anyway, let's move on with The Dead People. So let's look at January first. January was a pretty interesting year for dead people. Um, we had Paul Coslow die. Paul Coslow was in um, the Amiga Man along with Charlton Heston. He always seemed to wear a really bad hairpiece for some reason. He's a character actor. Did the smaller roles in mostly cult movies, but his hairpiece always disturbed me for some reason. Not a bad actor, a good jobbing actor, but that hairpiece just kind of got to me after a while uh carol channing who was in one of the worst movies made by a hollywood studio in the 1960s which is a saying a lot when there were so many bad ones but um i'm just going to play you a bit of carol channing singing from that particular movie she's singing the title track there's sun power gun power atomic power fun power 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 flower power go power and low power and if power is all they really understand we take the power of the flower and the power of the dove we put them both together and we love them to death mm. If you haven't seen Skidoo, you really should. Um, Otto Preminger directed it, and it is an interesting film, to say the least. Maybe I should add it to the list of movies to do for 2019. Let me know what you reckon. Uh, let's see who else croaked. Um, Michelle Legrand. Now, everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I love the music of Michelle Legrand. Um, Umbrellas of Schaubourg, The Young Girls of Rochefort, The Thomas Crown Affair. He did the soundtrack for the much benighted James Bond movie, Never Say Never Again. And I kind of like the soundtrack. I've got a, a fondness for the movie as well, but the soundtrack I appreciate. Really fine um, jazz musician, composer, soundtrack composer. Um, the world, it's a loss for the world that uh, Michel Legrand ain't around anymore doing his thing. He also appeared in a number of movies. He was in Cleo from 5 to 7, the Agnes Varda movie, which is one I've discussed on the podcast, and it's one of my best movies that I saw for the first time in 2019. So, yeah, um Michel Legrand. And then going to movie genres that are close to all of our hearts, Dick Miller died. Now, Dick Miller, you know, has the Roger Corman alumnus, 
a bucket of blood onwards. He was in the Terminator, any number of things. Dick Miller was a cult movie god. And, yeah, um, World War II veteran. He was a jobbing actor for a long time. And, yeah, he did his own thing. He had his own style. He was had an attitude uh, in his persona, in movies at least. And, yeah, um, yeah, I like Dick Miller. And I don't think that anybody who knows his work doesn't like Dick Miller. So there was that. So let's move on to February. First off we've got there is Julie Adams, who was the actress whom, with whom the creature from the Black Lagoon fell in love with. Didn't have a long career. She did some episodic television after that particular movie. But she was well loved by a lot of people, particularly fans of classic universal horror films. And she kind of lent into that very much and, and did a lot of things for fans as well. Uh, let's see, Albert Finney died. Uh, Tom Jones, amongst other things, he was in The Wolfen. He was a pretty ordinary Poirot in the first version of Murder on the Orient Express. I think the um, Kenneth Branagh one's much superior. But yeah, a really interesting actor. Um, started out doing those kitchen sink angry young men dramas, but developed into a fine character actor as he aged, which inevitably we all do, I suppose. But I think my favourite Albert Finney role was him with Audrey Hepburn in Two for the Road which is a really fine movie about relationships, basically. Um, yeah, that one worked for me, and I think that I never liked and hated Albert Finney more than I did when I first saw that movie. Then we've got Jan Michael Vincent. Um, unfortunate life for that guy, but he was an incredibly good-looking actor in his day. Athletic, maybe not as gifted in the Thespigards as a lot of other people, and his unfortunate dependencies kind of knocked his career in the arse after a while but he was good in the mechanic with uh, Charles Bronson he, he played well against Bronson in that and a lot of people like his TV series Airwolf but it was never my kind of thing particularly it was a little too same same each episode but um, nonetheless it, he's kind of a, a lesson in Hollywood careers and some of them can take an upward trajectory but some of them falter and fall and he's probably a good example of how far some people who have prominent Hollywood careers can fall if they don't get the right advice and the right roles and if they are unable to deal with their own demons. Then we have Bruno Ganz, who is best known probably on the internet for the Hitler memes, um, but we know him for things like Wings of Desire. Interesting actor, fantastic face for an actor. I mean, the, the kind of... Some actors have those kind of character actor faces, and Bruno Garns was one of them. I liked him in Wings of Desire. I think he played really well with Peter Falk in that. Um, haven't seen too much else of his stuff, but, yeah, he's a really interesting actor. And I have seen Downfall, the Untergang, uh, and it is really good. I think that he did fantastically well playing a monstrous person in that. Uh, next person up is Ethel Ennis and I'm going to play a little bit of Ethel Ennis because I like her stuff and she's known for one thing in the realm of the kind of movies you and I like and it is this Strange 
Ethelinus sang the theme song to Mad Monster Party. Here's a little tip for you. I tried this before I started recording today. And um, I've got two lots of speakers. I've got a Google Smart Speaker and I've got um, the Amazon Alexa one. And if you go to the Alexa one and you ask it to play Ethel Ennis songs, there's some really good tracks there. Um, I've played about four of them in a row. And Ethel Ennis was a fine jazz singer. Um, Didn't get the breaks in her career that some people got. But do yourself a favour if you are hooked up with smart speakers and some kind of subscription and just play yourself some methylenist and you won't regret it. Next up we have Stanley Donnan, fine director, directed some really great musicals of which I'm fond. He actually directed two for The Road which starred Albert Finney. So there's a little bit of synchronicity for you. Uh, On the Town Royal Wedding, Singing in the Rain, Seven Brides to Seven Brothers, It's Always Fair Weather, which I love. He directed Funny Face, The Pajama Game, Damn Yankees, Charade Arabesque, Bedazzled with Pete Cook and Dudley Moore, and as I said, Two for the Road. Unfortunately, he also directed Saturn 3, which is a really bad science fiction movie starring Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett Majors, and The Abomination in 1984 that is Blame It on Rio, with um, Michael Caine and Joseph Bologna, which is creepily... Um, incestuous, let's say. Um, but you know, everybody has career flubs, and a couple of Stanley Dolan's one. Uh, let's see, Dick Dale did Miserable, which turned up in Pulp Fiction. He died as well. Uh, let's have a look, Scott Walker. I've talked about Scott Walker, the singer. I'm not going to play Scott Walker this time because I've played Scott Walker so many times on this podcast that you're probably sick of it now. I'm not sick of it because I like Scott Walker, but um, he did the theme song to one of the Richard Johnson Eurospy movies from the 1960s, Deadlier Than the Male, which is a lot of fun to re-watch, and I do so every now and then. 
Scott Walker takes us into March. Then we've got Larry Cohen. I talked about Larry Cohen a lot on this podcast. Cue the Winged Serpent, um, Hell Up in Harlem. All those great Larry Cohen movies. There was a documentary about him called King Cohen, which came out a couple of years ago, which I also recommend. Uh, did the TV series The Invaders. Also Coronet Blue, which I really liked at the time it came out. And another one I like called Blue Light, which is starring Robert Goulet. Uh, started out on TV, worked his way into movies. Never got the love that a lot of other people got. But fuck, he did a lot of good quirky movies. And he was um, in love with genre films right from the very start. I mean, all of his TV shows and movies were in some ways just not mainstream dramas, with the possible exception of Bone, which was his first feature film. But yeah, Larry Cohen will be missed. And then as we get into the end of March, we also had Agnes Varda died, the wife of Jacques Demy, one of my favourite movie directors. And so I started diving into Agnes Varda's work and found the wonderful Cleo from 5 to 7. I've got a couple more of her movies, which I'm going to dive into and kind of really explore her oeuvre. And I liked what I saw based on Cleo from 5 to 7. And I'm going to check out a whole bunch of Agnes Varda movies in 2020, which sounds crazily futuristic and in some quite terrible ways is. Then we get ourselves into April when Seymour Cassell died. He was in a couple of really great John Cassavetes movies, which is kind of a redundant thing to say, I know. But I remember him in Faces, uh, which I was pointed I had it pointed out to me by Scorsese's documentary on American film, and then I watched it. And it works. Seymour Cassell, hell of an actor, great moustache. Uh, let's see there and there was a couple of Japanese people which was really funny because I was in Japan in April and uh, Monkey Punch died now Monkey Punch you might not know but Monkey Punch was the anime artist who created Lupin the Third which was turned into the anime movie Castle of Cagliostro Lupin the Third he died and then a guy called Katsuo Koike died and he is the manga artist who created Lone Wolf and Cub, which everybody who is currently ejaculating about The Mandalorian owes a great debt to. So he died in April as well. Shit, I did it, didn't I? I actually talked negatively about a Star Wars thing when I said I wasn't going to. Well, you know, I mean, I'm inconsistent. What can I tell you? Uh, French actor died, Jean-Pierre Mariel. Now, he's got a, I've got a history with him in an odd way. Jean-Pierre Mariel was in a movie called Coup de Torchon, which was based on a Jim Thompson novel. It was a French movie set in colonial French Africa, based on a Jim Thompson novel set in America. But Jean-Pierre Mariel's in it. And Coup de Torchon is the first movie I ever did for the ABC radio, back in the days when I was doing it with my old mate Ivor Cole. So I thought I'd mention him because of that weird connection. We always make weird connections between things that happen in our life and things we see on the screen. And Jean-Pierre Mariel is in Coupe de Torchon. Then we lost John Singleton, the American movie director, who directed films like Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, Four Brothers, and of course, Boys in the Hood. He was only in his 50s when he died, which is sad because there was so much more he could have done. His career wasn't going fantastically well um, at the time, but 
there was always that possibility that he'd bring more interesting work to us. But unfortunately, because of that, he wasn't given that opportunity because he died. And then an actor called Peter Mayhew died, who is very famous for a movie he made in 1977. Of course, I'm referring to Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger, where he played the Minotaur. But he also did a number of other movies and is well loved by a lot of people for the work that he did even though I believe it's possible that in the series of movies for which he is famous, his voice was dubbed. Speaking of voices, in May, Doris Day died. Um, Doris Day, interesting actor. In the kind of period of time, she would have got more dramatic roles than she did. She didn't make an attempt to kind of change the course of her career. But she had some financial problems due to the mismanagement of her funds by her husband. And so she went where the money was, and you can totally understand that. But, uh, yeah, I think that her chops as a serious actor were severely undermined by that kind of financial need to make a living. And even though I like her in things like Calamity Jane, and I didn't like her particularly in The Man Who Knew Too Much with Hitchcock because not sure Hitchcock and her are a perfect match there. But she was great in The Pajama Game as well, Pillow Talk and all those other movies with Rock Hudson. Uh, move over darling with james gunner which was the very first movie i ever saw in a theater my mum took me there when i was a small child so yeah Violet doris day um let's see let's move into june sylvia miles great in midnight cowboy she also did those movies for paul morrissey with joe d'alessandro which often get credited to andy warhol but yeah, um, great actor, um, attractive woman too, but Sylvia Miles died, Franco Zeffirelli died, who did Romeo and Juliet in the 60s, and also movies like Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. Uh, from an Australian point of view, Bill Collins died. Now, people in overseas might not know Bill Collins, but he was a guy who on late night television from the early 1960s onwards introduced old movies to the Australian people. He was an academic at the University of Sydney at the time, and he was encyclopedic in movies. Anybody who does anything about movies in Australia owes a debt of gratitude to Bill Collins. His passion, his erudition, uh, he wasn't particularly a photogenic kind of guy, but he was really on the ball with just bringing in appreciation of all kinds of classic cinema from chick flicks and women's films to film noir to horror to science fiction. He covered the waterfront. He kept going well into the 21st century as well. And he is in, was incredibly loved by film buffs all across Australia. So he'll be missed. Uh, Billy Drago died, American character actor, people know from many, many things. Some small roles in some films that I like too. He was in Cutter's Way playing a garbage man. Uh, he was in Pale Rider with um, Eastwood. Let me have a look here. Vamp, he was in Vamp, that movie with Grace Jones playing a vampire. Uh, let's have a look here. The Untouchables, he played Frank Nitti in The, the Untouchables. Um, let me have a look down through. Basically, he did a lot of character work. He was in uh, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., playing one of the big bad guys, John Bly, in that. So, a lot of roles. Uh, then we move on to Edith Scorp, who played the character, title character in Georges Franju's Eyes Without a Face, and also went on to do a number of other roles, working well into her later years as well. Very well respected. French actor, but 
for me, her playing the woman in the mask in Eyes Without a Face and her essaying the vulnerability and fragility of that character while wearing a porcelain mask really worked for me. Um, she's one of the iconic images of horror cinema in the middle part of the 20th century. Which brings us to July. Uh, Freddie Jones, English character actor. He was in The Elephant Man, amongst many, many other things, including being Thufa Harwit in the David Lynch version of June. Started out in some interesting things at the start of his career as well. He was in Accident, the Joseph Losey movie, Far From the Madding Crowd. Uh, let me have a look here, just scrolling through it. The Satanic Rise of Dracula, he was in that as well. As I said, The Elephant Man, Zulu Dawn. Uh, young Sherlock Holmes, he was in that as well. Uh, let me have a look here. So many different things. But yeah, so Freddie Jones. Then we've got Rip Torn now. I talked about Rip Torn recently when I did Payday in the podcast. Uh, a troubled person. He you know, once had a fist fight with Norman Mailer while they were making a movie. Uh, he was in the first R-rated movie I ever saw, Slaughter, with Jim Brown in it. And people know him from Men in Black as well and from the Larry Sanders show and all sorts of things. But for me, Payday is the one that really kind of nails the manic and sly art of Rip Torn. David Hedison, who people remember from being in one of the Roger Moore James Bond movies, from being in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and for being the unfortunate uh, self-inflicted guinea pig in the first version of The Fly. So he died as well. Rooker Howard. Now, everybody loves Rooker Howard. If nothing else for Hobo with a Shotgun. But, yeah, some of his movies I like better than others. I don't think he was particularly wonderful in Lady Hawk, a movie that pissed me off. People loved him in Blade Runner. I knew people that used to go to masquerade parties as Rooker Howe's Roy Batty in Blade Runner. They get a spiky mullet and dye their hair blonde and try to look freaky and shave off their eyebrows. Uh, a lot of that going on in those days. But, yeah, he's an iconic character actor. Uh, let me have a look. August. Let's do August now. D.A. Pennebacher, great documentary filmmaker in the 1960s and 70s. He did things like Monterey Pop. Uh, he did Alice Cooper's first documentary, Ziggy Stardust and the Spider from Mars, um, The War Room, which was an Oscar-nominated um, movie about Bill Clinton's run for the presidency. On the Australian side of things, a uh, very fine Australian actor, Ningley Lawford, she died. She was in Last Cab to Darwin with um, Michael Caton. And if you haven't seen that, you should check that out. She was beautiful playing his partner in that one. Uh, she also did a lot of really fine stage work and some smaller roles in various um, movies and TV series. But uh, like so many of our um, Indigenous peoples here in Australia, she died way too early. Then we've got the one person on this list whom I have actually met, and that is Peter Fonda. Uh, everybody knows him as Captain America in Easy Rider. He was the bad guy in the first Ghost Rider movie uh, and did a whole bunch of things in between. Probably his best role was Uli's Gold in uh, about 20 years ago, for which he was nominated for an Academy Award. I saw that movie with him in the audience. With He did a Q&A session, and I met him as well. Um, seemed to be a really nice guy, and he was very laid-back and casual as people who smoked dope often are. But, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for him and a lot of respect for his work. He was in The Trip as well for Roger Corman. I really liked Peter Fonda. He was an iconic character 
at a very, very kind of impressionable time of my life. And then in September, we lost two people that were in a number of interesting movies. Carol Lindley, for a start. Uh, let's see, I'll just do my homework here. She was in The Night Stalker with Darren McGavin, amongst other things. She was in The Pleasure Seekers with Anne Margaret in 64. Really interesting film I should do for the podcast at some stage. Bunny Lake is Missing in 65. She was in The Maltese Bippy, the Rona Martin movie, which is incredibly bad. If you haven't seen it, you really should. And then use mouthwash. Now, let me have a look here. She did a lot of work on TV as well. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, she was in a lot of my favourite TV shows. The Man from Uncle, The Invaders, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, It Takes a Thief, Mannix, Night Gallery, Kojak, Fantasy Island, and Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels isn't really one of my favourites, but yeah. Carol Lindley was all over the media when I was young. The other person um, who died, of course, is Sid Haig. Sid Haig started out in things like Spider Baby, which is a, a fantastic cult film, which if you haven't seen it, you should, because it's got the only movie I know of where Lon Chaney Jr. sings the theme song. He also did some Roger Corman movies. He was also in Coffee and Foxy Brown for Jack Hill. He was in THX 1138 by George Lucas. Um, and was in Diamonds Are Forever as well. What was he in Diamonds Are Forever? I'm going to have to go back and re-watch that now. He was in the 1966 Batman movie, which is kind of cool as well. Um, he was in The Big Bird Cage and The Woman Hunt, um, which were a couple of the Roger Corman movies that were done in the Philippines back in the day. Black Mama, White Mama. He was in Emperor of the North as well. I'm going to have to check that out again because I haven't seen... The Emperor of the North, since the first time I saw it in the cinema in the 1970s. Let's see. Loose Shoes. Who's in Loose Shoes? Which is... Uh, com- I talked about Loose Shoes way back in a really early Paleo Cinema podcast. Really interesting film. And Sid Haig was in it for some reason, along with a whole bunch of other people like um, Bill Murray. A lot of people knew him for his later work, which was done in the horror genre. Movies like The Devil's Rejects, where he played Captain Spaulding uh, for Rob Zombie. He was also in the Rob Zombie Halloween, the Rob Zombie The Haunted World of El Super Bisto, the Rob Zombie Lords of Salem, and the Rob Zombie 3 from Hell in 2019. Also, Rip Taylor died. I liked Rip Taylor. Um, I liked him ever since I first saw him in the American adaptation of a French film. And the American adaptation of it, starring Candace Rialson, was Cheddarbox. And the basic plot was a woman finds out that her vagina can talk. And Rip Taylor was in that one. Liked him ever since I saw that movie. He died. Robert Forster. Um, Robert Forster, fantastic. Medium, cool, alligator. Right up until really recently where he was in El Camino, the um, movie spin-off from Breaking Bad. Never saw him bad in a role. It, even shit like The Black Hole. He at least had a kind of credibility about him. And, of course, he was in Jackie Brown as well when Tarantino helped reignite his career. Looked a little bit like John Garfield, but um, he kind of made his own way in cinema. And I would always watch a movie that had Robert Forster in it because I kind of liked the way he did what he did. Then the other Robert died in the same month, October 2019, Robert Evans. The Boy Stays in the Picture, of course, being the biography of Robert Evans. Started out as an actor in the 1950s, and he was kind of shit at it. 
and then he became a producer, and he wasn't shit at it. He produced a whole bunch of movies, Chinatown, The Getaway, where um, Steve McQueen pinched his wife, Ali McGraw, because he was Steve McQueen. He wanted to do the Harvey Keitel role in The Two Jakes when it was made in about 1990, but neither Robert Town, the writer, nor Jack Nicholson, the star and ultimately the director of the film, wanted him to do it because he'd had plastic surgery, looked like shit, and they knew he wasn't a very good actor anyway. But as a producer, he definitely made his mark in Hollywood. In November, Virginia Leith died. Now, people might not know her name, but she was in a whole bunch of movies. She was in Violent Saturday, a really good 1955 movie. She was also in A Kiss Before Dying with Robert Wagner and a few other films. But then she did, in 1962, The Brain That Wouldn't Die as the brain and head of the girlfriend of the character played by Jason Evers, whose head is kept alive in a laboratory while he tries to find a new body for it that suits his particular tastes. It's a sick fucking movie in a lot of ways. But she was very poignant as the kind of, in a way, a role that's not entirely dissimilar to Edith Scobb's role in um, Eyes Without a Face a victim of the scientific um, endeavours of a family member, let's say. But uh, I liked her for that movie. Uh, Let's have a look here. Michael J. Pollard. First thing I saw Michael J. Pollard in was that really good episode of the original Lost in Space TV series. Now, when I say that really good episode, there weren't many really good episodes, but he was really good in it and made it really work. Kind of puckish little guy. Next thing I remember seeing him in was a movie with Robert Redford about um, dirt bike racing called Little Falls and Big Halsey, which had a theme song sung by Johnny Cash. And that one was pretty good. He was pretty good in that um, as well. Did a whole bunch of other roles, but they're the two movies that I really liked him for. And that brings us, of course, to December, when we lost Danny Aiello, who, my favourite role for Danny Aiello is definitely Hudson Hawk. Got a lot of love for him and Bruce Willis singing duets. They seem to be having a lot of fun in that one. But he also did a lot of serious roles as well. But that's the one that really grabs me. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to play him and Bruce Willis play, singing um, Swing on a Star. So I'm going to do that after the um, credits for the podcast. Um, Anna Karina, who was a kind of doyen of the French New Wave films, a band apart, amongst other things, Viva Savi, a whole bunch of different movies there. Really beautiful actor, and she had a career that lasted the distance as well. But she was kind of iconic in those kind of roles, mostly for Jean-Luc Godard and people like that. I think she was married to Godard at some stage. Just give me a moment to check that for you. Yep, married in 61, divorced in 65. Um, Really interesting and beautiful actor. She wasn't actually French, she was Danish. And she moved to Paris so she could get a role in films. Um, She was in Pierre Le Fou and Alphaville as well. I should have remembered Alphaville, but then Eddie Constantine kind of dominates my thoughts about Alphaville. But, uh, yeah, she was an interesting actor. Smoked like so many French people did, which probably didn't help lengthen her life at all. But she was making movies as far in as 2008. So that's a pretty long career, given that her first movie, um, A Woman as a Woman, was in 1960. So that's, yeah, that's not 
a seriously bad career, really. Um, let me have a look at Claudine Auger, who played Domino in Thunderball and did a few other things, but um, not a hell of a lot else. Uh, she died as well. Let me have a look who else we've got. Sue Lyon, who was in Lolita. And I would be remiss, and this would not be one of my podcasts if I didn't play a little bit of the really bad music that accompanied her in the movie adaptation by Stanley Kubrick of um, Vladimir Novikov's novel Lolita. And it goes on exactly like that for about three and a half minutes. <laughs> I'm not going to play more of that. So, yep, Sue Lyon died. Uh, Sid Mead died, who was the concept designer for a whole bunch of very important films, including, and you know, not exclusively, let's have a look here, um, Star Wars, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Blade Runner, Tron, Short Circuit, Alien, Aliens, Tom Cot, Johnny Mnemonic, Mission Impossible 3, and Blade Runner 2049. He was one of the guys who made it look good even when the acting wasn't. And finally, um, Neil Innes died yesterday, I believe. Now, you might not know the name Neil Innes, but he was one of the ruttles in Eric Idle's um, pastiche of the Beatles. And I always liked Neil Innes' stuff. He was part of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, which is very, very cool. Um, he was a singer, he was a comedian, and he was very, very funny. And because I'm being self-indulgent, and it is New Year's Eve at eight at 9.33pm, I'm going to play you my favourite Neil Innes song, which, um, yeah, like I said, you can be self-indulgent on New Year's Eve, sitting here with a glass of inexpensive amaretto, having a little bit of a sip. Um, I'm in the doghouse here at home because I bought a $50 drone. And I didn't tell Sally I was buying a $50 drone, so I'm in the shit anyway. So I'm going to play you my favourite lounge song by Neil Innes from The Secret Policeman's Ball. And it's called Spontaneous. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's wonderful to be, you know, once in a and it's been very lucky for me. Thank you. <laughs> the champagne was Canadian. The hostess sang a song. I contemplated suicide. Then you came along. You're so spontaneous. Nothing but everything is all you've got. You're so spontaneous, you top the bill. Your elegant savoir-faire <laughs> gives me a thrill. For this is the moment, the moment is now. The moment is you, come on, take your bow, you're so spontaneous, you knock me flat, 
pull those little white rabbits out of my top hat. You're so spontaneous, a bracket of broad. Spontaneous, that's what you are. Take it, folks. So that brings us to the end of 2019, literally, because there's only about two hours and 13 minutes left of it. Um, yeah, so thank you for bearing with my, the month I took off the podcast, the month that a bit I took off the podcast, and all the other self-indulgences over the year. I promise it's going to be better next year. I've got some plans. With that, we'll come to um, fruition and make things even better. Uh, check out the YouTube channel if you get a chance to. There's always fun stuff there. It's a bit different mostly from the stuff that I do on the podcast. But yeah, uh, 2020 is going to be a hell of a year. A lot of interesting movie stuff going to be happening. Um, going to be a bit quiet personally. I can't afford to go overseas again, which is a bit sad. But if you are quite wealthy and you're listening to this podcast, you can always throw me yeah, you know, a nice six-figure sum, and I'm more than happy to travel. And as the year ends here in Australia, things are quite apocalyptic. There's something like 3,000 kilometres of bushfires along the coast, uh, the east coast of the country, and um, some people are doing it really hard. We've got some fireys doing it really, really hard, and some towns I really like are being destroyed. So it's a kind of a, a difficult thing. Uh, we're going through an incredible cultural change right now as that happens and we realise that the people who got voted in about eight months ago, eight or nine months ago, aren't doing the right thing by the country and hadn't been for quite a long time. So there's going to be some interesting times here in this country over the next year or so. But um, hopefully we'll come out of it better than we were and kinder than we were and wiser than we were which is pretty much all you can expect of any year uh, i've got some interesting things i'm going to be doing next year in spite of the fact i'm not going to be traveling much but um yeah so i hope your year is fantastic too i hope you have a terrific 2020 i hope that um you get all the things that you need and some of the things that you want and that um the year is gentle to you the times they are a change and really fast and it's easy to despair and easy to give up and easy to throw up our hands and easy to say there's nothing we can do about anything. But that's not really the truth. We can do things. 
whether they have a short-term um, resolution to the problems we have or not. The doing is the important thing, I think. Just getting out there, doing the things you're passionate about, trying to be a better person all the time. I fail on a regular basis of being a better person, but I do try. I kind of pick myself off, dust myself off and start all over again which is the way to do it. And I know it's incredibly hard for some people, people I'm very close to, and people I know casually. Um, I've had some friends go through a lot of shit this year uh, and achieve a lot of things as well. So there's both sides of that, and you've got to kind of have that balanced viewpoint on the way things go. But anyway, I'm going to leave it there. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening for all the time you've been listening. Um, I'll be back next fortnight with something entirely new, being old movies, of course. And um, in the meantime, I'm going to play you the credits to honour the Patreon supporters of the podcast who are infinitely patient, and I hope that they get everything they ever wish for. Uh, and then I'm going to play Ted Aiello and Bruce Willis singing Swing It On A Star, and I'm going to play another inspiring track, an inspirational piece of music for you, just to round things out, and I'll get this uploaded and published before 2020 starts on this part of this clay and granite planet catch you later here are the credits for paleo cinema podcast and martian driving podcast done in the style of movie credits to honor the people who support this podcast thank you to tom the focus puller sarah the special effects technician ian the caterer grant the technicolor consultant claire the script doctor gary the prop master Morris, the musical director, Jan, the dialect coach, Arm and our key grip, Matt, the rattlesnake wrangler, Elaine, our scientific advisor, Julia, our casting director, Chris, our camera operator, Christopher, our gaffer, Miss Jane, our wardrobe mistress, Tansy, our foley artist, Alyssa, our location scout, Mark, our second unit director, Paul, our special makeup effects director. Tammy, the donut wrangler. Tim, our New York unit director. Rabbi Steve, our spiritual advisor. Uh, Steve Sullivan, our director of monster effects. Dylan, our goat wrangler. Eric, our set security lead. Richard H, our set photographer. Mark D, our extra. And David L, our extra. Kerry H, who is the accountant. And our newest supporter, Gary J, who is a CG effects technician. So thank you very much to all of the supporters of the podcast. I really appreciate you dipping into your purses and helping out with the podcast. Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off
never be a fish. A fish is an animal that swims in a brook. He can't write his name or read a book. To fool the people is his only thought. And though he's slippery, he still gets caught. If that sort of life is what you wish, you may grow up to be a fish. Delish. Or would you like to swing on a star? And be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a pig? A pig is an animal with dirt on his face. His shoes are a terrible disgrace. He's got no manners when he eats his food. He's fat and lazy and extremely rude. But if you don't care a feather or a fig, you may grow up to be a pig. You could be swinging on a star. You could be swinging on a star. Tommy, yes, Eddie. You could be swinging on a star. You could be swinging on a star. You could be swinging on a star, my man. Hey, don't I know it? You could be swinging on a star. You could be swinging on a star. Let's take it home. You could be swinging on a star. Is just a bowl of cherries. Don't make it serious. Life's too mysterious. You work, you save, you worry so, but you can't take your dough when you go, go, go. So keep. Repeating, it's the berries. The strongest oak must fall, must fall. The sweet things in life to you were just loaned. So how can you lose what you've never owned? Life is just a bowl of cherries. So live and laugh at it all. Sweet things were just loans, so how can you lose what do you never own? Life is just a bowl of cherries, 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 many, many cherries. So live and laugh, you know, like. It's just a great big bowl of cherries. 